0: I attended the same K-12 all-girls school in New York City for 13 years. Imagine this, elementary school, blue tunic, middle school, blue skirt, and by high school you got to wear whatever you wanted. And so I was at this school in the 80s, and all over the headlines was apartheid in South Africa— There was an international campaign to stop the flow of money to South Africa until the situation changed, a huge movement to divest. And the cool high school girls who got to wear whatever they wanted jumped in on this. And they put on a protest demanding that the Board of Trustees stop investing the school's endowment funds in companies that were operating in or trading with South Africa. And let me tell you, I was so proud to participate in this activism, in this movement to divest. As one of the few African students to see the high schoolers focused on the continent of my origin and wanting to make this change meant so much to me. But if you really want companies to act in line with your values, is divestment that is stopping the flow of money really the best approach? Or is there a more active way to be an activist? Welcome to the TED Business Podcast. I'm your host, Madhupa Akinola, a Columbia Business School professor. In today's talk from TED at BCG in 2018, Vinay Shandal offers a new perspective on what you can do to help companies do better. This is also known as ESG, or Addressing Environmental, Social, and Governance Concerns. Vinay is the global leader of Boston Consulting Group's sustainable finance and investment business. He's going to make the case that if there's an issue you really want the leadership of an organization to focus on, to meaningfully change, you're going to want to take an active instead of a passive approach, like divestment. And then afterwards, in what I'll call the after party, you'll hear a conversation between me and Corey Hagem. She's Ted's business curator, and we'll talk about how we can apply this idea to our daily lives without exhausting ourselves. Here's Vinay, who, by the way, used to be a stand up comedian. But first, a quick break.
1: We love to engage on the issues of the day. We love it. We comment on the news, we post our views on social media, we march, we protest. But who among us is working on solutions, big solutions to big issues, like gun violence, mistreatment of workers, flood, famine, drought? Who is on it? Boom. (laughs) These guys. What, you were hoping for Peter Parker? The Avengers? You don't expect this beacon of diversity, these good-looking, nicely-dressed dudes just oozing charisma to solve the issues? Well, good, because they're actually not going to solve the issues. But before you dismiss them, let me say, they're not going to solve the issues, but they will show us how. So who are they? They're activist investors. Carl Icahn. Dan Loeb, Paul Singer, Barry Rosenstein. These are the modern-day OGs of Wall Street. (laughs) These are scary dudes. I don't mean Green Goblin scary, I mean real scary. The fear they strike in the hearts of a company's CEO and board when they enter its stock is the same fear you feel when you hear a bear outside your tent, and it's dark, and you're sitting there with a mouthful of Doritos, That just moments ago, you had snuck out of the tent to pull down from the bear hang because you had the munchies? That fear. And in that moment, you are praying, oh, Lord, please let this bear be passing through. That bear is not passing through. That bear made a detour for you. Bears like Doritos. Activists like money. Some activists also like Doritos, but they definitely want money. Okay, And the way they make money, the way they create value, is by getting management of corporations to make changes. Now, some will argue that the changes they create, the value they create, is too short-term in nature. And others will say the tactics they use are egregious. I agree. Long, drawn-out lawsuits, public smear campaigns, there is no need for that. But I must say, there's a small handful of activists, very small, that go to great lengths to be constructive and collaborative. And overall, we have to give credit where credit is due. As a group, they have managed to catalyze large-scale change in large corporations, and that's no small feat. Now, imagine a world where all investors were working with management to make change, not just to make more money, but to improve the environment and society imagine what a greener and better world this would be. Now, why? Why would an investor bother? And at first blush, I'm with you. Why would an investor care? Because if doing well on ESG issues, environmental, social and governance issues, was just an act of good corporate citizenship, then I agree, investors would not care. But the good news, and perhaps the saving grace for our collective futures, is that it's so much more than an act of good corporate citizenship. It's good business. There's now enough evidence that shows a clear correlation between ESG performance and financial performance. Companies that do good for the environment and society also do well financially. And some of the best companies are catching on, like Adidas. Adidas is cleaning up the ocean and making money in the process. Adidas teamed up with an organization called Parley for the Ocean. Parley goes out and collects plastic waste from the ocean, Adidas uses the plastic waste to make shoes. Shoes made with plastic from the ocean. Good for the environment and good for business. Because if you know that rapidly growing consumer segment known as hipsters, and I know you know hipsters, then you know that a hipster faced the choice between a no-name shoe and an Adidas made with plastic from the ocean will pick the Adidas every day of the week and twice on Sunday and then walk around like it's no big deal. But look for every opportunity to talk about them like like in an Uber pool. Hey, I, I, I notice you looking at my feet. What, dude, no, I'm just, I'm just making slides. I, I, I'm a consultant, I make slides, I'm making a PowerPoint slides, I'm not looking. No, it's fine. I get why you would be looking. The plastic on my shoe must be bothering you. Well, let me talk about it for the rest of this ride. You see, the plastic <laughs> on my shoe is from the ocean. On my feet, not in your fish. Being walked on, not being munched on. Happy feet, happy fish, happy ocean, doing my part. I got eco shoes, I got eco shoes. You need some eco shoes? You need some eco shoes? And so on, just cornering you. We've all been there. Hey man, pass me a cell phone. I'm going to give you a discount code. I got a discount code. Let me give you a discount code. We've all been... I have... Folks, I have jumped out of moving Uber pools. (laughs) Just moving. Highway. I'm out. I'm out. But look, we got to forgive the hipsters, because we need to love the hipsters. We need hipsters, and we need companies like Adidas, And herein lies the challenge. There's a growing body, a growing group of investors, call them conscious investors. Conscious investors care about ESG issues. And they talk a lot about engaging management on ESG issues. But they don't actually get management to make changes that will improve the environment and society. And this is where conscious investors can take a page from the playbook of the activist investors, because the activist investors have no issues getting management to make changes. They have no issues turning up the heat. You know, take Paul Singer. He's an old-school Wall Street OG. Now in his 70s, loves Doritos, loves making money. Argentina owed Paul $600 million and would not pay. Big mistake. You can't take money from an OG and not pay back. Paul went to war with Argentina. I'm not making this. I'm not inventing. This is big. This is huge. This is bigger than. Tyson versus Holyfield, Ali versus Foreman. This was man versus country. Paul Singer started going around the world trying to seize up Argentinian assets. At one point, he tried to seize an Argentinian Navy vessel off the coast of Ghana. He tried to take over a 350-foot ship while big Navy officers with big guns were on the ship. He got the police in Ghana to show up with a crane and threaten to board the ship. And it wasn't until the Navy officers drew their weapons that they called off the operation. Well, that's what I call turning up the heat. Now, you may say, you may say, well, Paul lost the battle. And I'll say Paul won the war, because Paul didn't get paid one time. He got paid 20 times his original investment. Then you have Barry Rosenstein. His fund, Jana Partners, started buying up stock in Whole Foods at a time when Whole Foods was struggling. They got to 8 percent, came out, and pushed Whole Foods to sell itself to Amazon. And not because Barry wanted same-day delivery of his organic Doritos. (laughs) He wanted to make some money. Now, the CEO of Whole Foods, John Mackey, and the board did not want to sell themselves to, Whole Foods, to, to Amazon because that would be the prime example of selling out. But in the end, they caved. Why? Because Barry turned up the heat. And he made $300 million in the process. And he did not leave a very nice impression on John. Okay? You're not going to see John and Barry just hugging it out at the Whole Foods cafe. Let's take a very different example now the Chicago Teachers' Pension Fund, a $10 billion conscious investor. They recently came out hard against private prisons in the U.S., and good for them. As a new parent, I tell you, I'm troubled by devastating images of young children being ripped out of the arms of their parents at the U.S. border and being placed in private detention facilities that did too little to help the kids maintain contact with their parents. So what did the Chicago teachers do? Did they get management to make changes? Did they turn up the heat? Did they look management in the eye and say, "This is no way to run a business?" There's a different way to do things, let me show you. No. They just sold their stock. Selling did nothing. It's not like management woke up the next day and had an epiphany and said, "Gosh, the teachers sold their stock. We better be nice to the kids." No, that didn't happen. And despite a decade of several high-profile divestitures, in private prison stock in the U.S. The stock has continued to climb. The stock over that same period has outperformed the market. And the biggest issue is we went from a set of conscious investors owning the stock to it potentially being owned by investors who don't care about these issues and don't care what you think about these issues. And this is my issue with conscious investors. Their MO is to divest or divert money into ESG-focused funds. You can't divest your way to a greener world. You can divest your way to a greener portfolio, not to a greener world. So what's it gonna take? What's it gonna take to flip the script, to get conscious investors to go from divesting to engaging, to go from talking about engaging to actually working with management to make changes that will improve their ESG performance? Because there's a lot suggesting they should and they could. They should, given the clear correlation between ESG performance and financial performance. They could because the activists have shown us they could. A shareholder can drive change in a company. The difference is Paul and Barry do what they do to make money. The conscious investors would do it to improve society and the environment and make money in the process and do it a little more collaboratively and constructively. And they have the backing of some of the largest investors, Vanguard and BlackRock. Together, they, own, they manage trillions. They've been increasingly vocal about the importance of ESG. The CEO of BlackRock has been increasingly vocal in his annual letters about, about this issue. Even Jana Partners, the same OGs that John called greedy bastards, co-wrote an open letter to the board of Apple saying, hey, your smartphones are addictive for children. Fix it. Apple is working on it. So what it's going to take is some pressure. It's going to take some pressure on conscious investors to in turn put some pressure on management to make changes that will improve the environment and society. And where do they start? They start by picking an issue that that, that matters to them and taking a stand on it. Take a stand on an issue that lines up with your purpose water preservation, labor rights, diversity. As long as it lines up with your purpose, you are golden. And the biggest unlock? Get the senior-most investment professionals focused on this. Today, when an activist shows up to a campaign, it's the senior investment professional talking to the CEO and the board, and everyone hears about it. When a conscious investor shows up to talk about an ESG issue, it's some junior person in the risk department talking to some junior person in the investor relations department And nobody hears about it. And that needs to change. And it's not some massive leap. Today, when a company underperforms financially, who's on the hook? The senior investment professional. So what do they do? They drop everything and work with management collaboratively and constructively to make changes to improve the company's uh, financial performance. The same should be true when the company underperforms on ESG issues. And yes, that requires standardization on how we measure ESG, but we're on it. So, folks, here's my call to action. It's your money. It's your pension fund. It's your sovereign's wealth fund. It's your university's endowment. It's your money. And it's your right to have your money managed in line with your values. So use your voice and trust that it matters. It was your voice that got the investors more conscious in the first place. You protested for years because you didn't feel right about your money being invested in companies whose values don't line up with yours. It's time to use that voice again. But this time, instead of pushing them to divest, push them to engage, truly engage, truly work with management to make changes that will improve their ESG performance. You made them aware of the issues. You can now focus them on fixing them. Thank you.
0: All right, my dear. Hi. How are you? I'm
2: okay. I'm in the closet like you.
0: Yeah, I know. This
2: is my wedding dress back here, if you can believe it.
0: Okay, so I'm back to talk with Corey, who brings the people who focus on business-related topics to the TED stage. Corey and I met 22 years ago when we were both first years at Harvard Business School, and we've become dear friends since then. And we're going to do our best to apply Vinay's suggestions to our own lives in a way that actually works. So tell me more. Okay, so as the business curator, you get to meet great people. You met Vinay. What made you decide, oh, his this topic is a critical one that I want the world to know about?
2: Yeah, you know, at first I actually wondered, is there anything new to say about ESG investing? That's sort of the mm-hmm. umbrella term. But, but Vinay had a really unique angle um, on this subject area. So it wasn't just about, is the ESG a better way to invest? Are the returns better? It was about how to have more impact in this space. So traditionally, people think about Um, removing themselves from bad actors, bad companies, or investing in companies that have the most climate-friendly practices or the best governance. But in Vinay's case, he was saying, let's just not look for the best. Let's engage with these companies and let's push them to change. And I think we can all relate to that in both business and personal lives. Like, There's a choice when someone is toxic Uh, or an organization is toxic, do you walk away or do you try to change it?
0: But so one of the challenges that I find with that is it takes energy. It's exhausting. And so it is easier to just be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to step away. I'm going to do whatever I can in a more passive way because I just can't invest additional energy into this. What are your thoughts on that too?
2: It's 100% true. And I think that's what's What he's pushing us to think about by bringing up these activist investors who are driven by returns, right? They're driven by making more money off their investors. And so Vinay is saying, like, if these guys can do it and if they're willing to put the energy and time into it for the money, like, we should feel just as passionate and put in just the same amount of energy to push for the things that we think are really important. One thing you said
0: was they are driven by money. And when you said that, it made me think drive. So what mitigates the exhaustion is when you're driven by X. So it's like we all need to tap into what we are driven by in terms of the areas where we push with regard to ESG, which actually then also brings me to another question of so what can we do and how can we figure out what we're driven by to then push in these areas that you're talking about,
2: um, I would just think about what matters to you. You know, what are the kinds of things that resonate with you? Whether it's you know how a company engages with its community, whether it is climate. Um, or um, governance issues. And so I think it's important, first of all, it's being aware. Um, like I follow this Instagram account, Show the Boardroom, mm-hmm. and it literally just posts pictures of boards and management teams. Hmm. So you can literally just see, wow. like, are they walking the walk wow. when they have, um, you know, when they're posting on social media about Black Lives Matter? Do they have an all-white male management team? So then you can decide, are you going to engage? Are you going to push? Or are you just, are you going to walk away? What? How are you going to try to impact that company?
0: Now, we've been talking about they, but now I'm going to, since I know you, I can ask the question, what about you? So what are you driven by? What do you care about? What's your area?
2: I mean, I really do care about people and how companies treat their communities and their employees. And certainly, I've switched careers to a place where I feel like, you know, really does care about our impact um on the world and each other. But I will give more of a consumer example. I sort of fell in love with this company Everlane. Mm -hmm. They were founded on these ideals of radical transparency, and they were going to show us the factories where their employees were working, and they were going to treat them fairly and have good conditions. And I love the clothes, FYI. Um, And then last summer, this article came out in the New York Times about how they weren't treating their employees, not just the factory workers making the clothes, but the people who were in the sort of corporate office. And there were. Accusations of the management team not being supportive of diversity and other issues. And I got really bummed out. And my first thought was maybe I should walk away. But after listening to Vinay's talk, I feel like there's better solutions. And maybe I could have more impact if I just engage with the company instead of walking away. They probably wouldn't miss me as a customer. I'm just one person, um, I don't buy that many clothes. Maybe I should reach out to the company and simply ask, what have you done about this? I'm a, I'm a big fan of your company. I love the clothes. I'm supportive of your business model. And so, you know, how have you responded to this this New York Times article? What has changed in your culture from here?
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. Does that to- sound lame? <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know. I, I struggle a lot because, again, this is like what battles should you choose uh, if it goes back to the drive thing, and I and and I need to figure out which ones are the most important. What is my highest and best use? So that's a question I often ask myself. What is the one area in ESG that I
2: was uniquely
0: created on this earth to try to make a difference about?
2: Well, I know you and I have talked about you know your position at Columbia and being the only woman of color at the business school as a you know tenured professor. And I know that that's something that you care about and that you're working on. Um, so I know you're already doing it, but is that, do you think that's the biggest issue for you? That's your, you know, S of the G or the your ESG? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I like that. What's your S of the G? <laughs> um, so right now, yes, that's my S of the G, but the reality is that's the S of my life. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if um, this is a unique Yes, this is a unique time where it's been magnified, but my entire life has been about how do I make sure that people understand the experience that I live on a daily basis. And now I have a platform to be able to do that more broadly. But before, it was my presence that did that.
2: I guess one of the things we were talking about energy and how it can be exhausting to engage, especially on issues that are personal— so I think sometimes you know maybe we don't have to it's if it's something that we're doing all the time just by being there in a sense um you know maybe we sometimes take on something that's a little less emotional or we engage someone else in our our battle and our engagement to to join us and and bolster us up
0: yeah you know it it reminds me that well, of the concept of intersectionality first, you know, just the idea that when you carry multiple social identities, that means that you walk around this world very differently than someone with just one or whatever. And so in the same way, I think with ESG, if the S part is something you carry with you every day, which would be somebody who is different on any dimension um, that is, often the visible differences, so your race, your gender, then you are already doing work in the on the S side. And so maybe people with fewer intersecting identities uh, might do more on the E side or the G side, but it's about picking your battle and figuring out what works for you. And so I hadn't really thought about that Because like when you live it, you don't think about it. And so I also think for me, I don't need to put so much pressure on myself to now be like, oh, because I like the ocean, now I need to do this too. Let the ocean people who aren't fighting other battles every day in their social environment do that. Um, And maybe every now and then I'll play my role here, but we don't have to do everything. And I think that's important to remember.
2: That's absolutely true. And I think if you're talking about engagement, if you're there— then you're engaged, right? Like that's the yeah. difference between being there and walking away. Yeah. And so if you're addressing an issue just by being there, you know, that that is engagement. And it's not always possible to do. I think we also have to realize that there are situations where you do want to walk away or divest. Um, I worked in finance for 10 years, and I felt like I was doing that work by being there as a woman mm-hmm. and speaking up when... I heard things said in ways that were sexist and offensive. But eventually I just said, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. So, you know, but at the same time,
0: I guess this is what happens when you're type A. It's like, I still want to hit every bucket. And what am I doing in E? And what am I doing in S? And what am I doing in G? So maybe one could be your focal area, but you do small things in that's the other right. Too. You
2: can have a big S and a little E. Or a big yes, G. And
0: a small G. Exactly. So tell me a bit more, what else can we do as consumers or in other domains?
2: Right. So I think there's sort of three roles that we play in this whole ecosystem, right? We're potentially we're investors. Uh we are all consumers. We are employees. So I think as employees, um, we have a lot of power to look at our companies and find are there internal organizations that are working on certain issues? Is there a group inside that cares about climate? Can you get them together to push your company to make changes? What can you do in your job to have an impact? Can you mentor someone who might need some help rising in the ranks? Can you push your company to interview more diverse employees when there's a job opening. As an investor, um, you know, you have more power than you think. Um, There's always, there's proxy votes. there's, There's things as shareholders that you actually can vote on. And, you know, a lot of times it's something that comes in the mail and you kind of ignore it or you throw it in the garbage can. Totally. And instead of doing that, read it. And find out if you can have a voice in the conversation. And there's lots of great um, ways to invest with an ESG angle that's much easier now. Um, Companies like Motif, all the online brokerage firms allow you to screen for companies that might be more ESG focused. So those are things we should do. Nice. Absolutely. So now I'm going to push you in and say, what's
0: one thing you're going to do?
2: So I feel like my side of it's kind of lame, but I, I am going to, as a consumer, I do think we, it's so much easier to walk away. And if I didn't love Everlane clothes so much, I probably would just do that and say, you know what? I've had enough of this company. It's really not behaving the way I want it to, but I'm actually going to see what I can do. I'm going to, I'm going to re- do some research and I'm just going to, I'm just going to email the company and say, Hey, what's happened since then? Um, because I do want to support brands that I think have a positive impact on the world, and I do think that they, both from an environmental standpoint and a workers' rights standpoint, have a good strategy. Um, but I want to make sure it's real, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in. Yeah,
0: and you know what I heard you saying in that is like. You're gonna turn up the heat, and Vene mentions that a lot. We've got to turn up the heat, and one of the things that um, in the Black Lives Matter movement, or oh, we have a runner. She's back. There's sorry. There's a two-year-old child. Did I tell you about the runner? No. There's a two-year-old child um, who lives on the floor above, and she is a runner. And I mean, do you I hear do. that pounding? I thought you it was might. in my house. Yes. <laughs> No, no, no. She's two. At least your boys are older. They're This is a two-year-old. Anyway, but what I was saying was that this is all about turning up the heat. And Vinay says it several times, turning up the heat. And uh, when I think about the Black Lives Matter movement, and one of the things that really inspired me— was how students across universities and independent schools created these Instagram accounts called Black at whatever the school was. And in it, they documented their instances of anti-Black racism. And it really helped turn Mm -hmm. up the heat. And I was so inspired by what they did. Um, As a person on the other side of things, you know, in a leadership position at an independent school or at Columbia, you're kind of like, oh, gosh. We really do have to act, but it it is exactly like the work of activist investors. They are conscious activists, and that is one way they turned up the heat. And so I kind of feel like I want to encourage the world or everyone to really think about creative ways to turn up the heat, because that can really affect change in powerful ways. All right, that's it for today. Thanks to the sartorially progressive Corey Hagem for joining me. I'm going to leave the closet. (laughs) I'm your host, Madupa Akinola. Kim Naderfein-Peterza is our producer and Grace Rubenstein is our story editor. The show is mixed by Dan DeZula and special thanks to Colin Helms, Michelle Quint, Angela Chang, and Anna Phelan. I look forward to talking to you again next week.